Hey everyone, and welcome to another Game of Thrones Tower of Babel podcast. As always, I'm Julian Muish, and I am joined by Daniel D'Souza. Yo. And we are here to help you unpack the latest episode of HBO's Game of Thrones. Uh, we talk about the show as a show, um, and any any unknown book knowledge or known book knowledge that Daniel has, he's read all the books, uh, is, hol- is withholding that information from us. Um, More or less. Yeah. Anything that, you know, it's it's tougher now, like we've talked about, you know, this season, overlapping the books a bit, lapping them, but there's still a few things uh, that he knows that we don't, and uh, we appreciate that, that he doesn't spoil it for us. So, a um, few, uh, few notes before we get going here. Uh, we're recording on Tuesday today, which is a bit later than we normally do, uh, about a day later. Uh, I was traveling all day Sunday, so I watched Game of Thrones actually in an airport, uh, which worked out pretty well, actually, all things considered. And uh, and then yesterday was all just unpacking and, and, and meeting people. So it, we didn't find time to record yesterday, but we're here now and should be back on schedule um, next week. Uh, probably a late recording next Monday. We might even do it live now that I'm back in Canada. I have the bandwidth. Mm-hmm. I can I can do it. If we do it a nighttime recording, we can do it live on YouTube as well. So um, if that's something you guys are interested in, tweet at us, let us know. Um. Moving on into feedback from last week, or a few a few notes, a few emails we got. Um, let's see. Okay, so first one, Ricky Stevenson wrote into our email. Our email address is Game of Thro- uh, sorry Tower Babel Podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. It has nothing to do with Game of Thrones, just the podcast. Tower Babel Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, he was touching on uh, something we had mentioned about, uh, I don't know, it must have been two weeks ago now we talked about it, but the idea of watching Game of Thrones uh, Netflix style and binging the whole thing and how I, would, I, I think it would, wouldn't work as well. Anyway, the, Ricky came in to offer the uh, alternate opinion, so I'll just read it. Uh, I just listened to the Door episode. You said it would be difficult to watch it, uh, if, so yeah, it was two weeks ago, watch if it was on Netflix. I watched the first three seasons two months before season four started. I streamed it on, uh, I don't know, some website. Um, it had me addicted. I couldn't get enough, and now and now only getting one week is killing me. So that's the that's always been a, like a thing where if you're used to binging a show, if you catch up to like real life, and you have to go week to week, it can be yeah. tough. So I get that. <clears throat> anyway, he continues. Um, I didn't find it hard to keep up. If anything, it made me more infused with the characters, almost like I knew them for real, um, and. That's fair. I think, I mean, like I've always said, you know, different strokes for different folks. Um, I prefer it this way. Uh, Dan, I, I don't know where you fall on this exactly. Specifically well, with Game of Thrones, I think you're on my side, right? Yeah, for sure. It, we talked about it before, so we won't get too deep into it. But specifically for what we do here, it makes it it has to be weekly. Yeah. Just in order for us to be able to have the show. So. But you're, as a whole, you're okay with the, the Netflix model generally, like Daredevil and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I, I find that when I binge a show, it all kind of blends together. So, yeah, you, you get to know the characters a bit better, but it's hard to remember, like, the, the chronology of the events yeah. sometimes. And specific but, uh, specific moments get lost in the shuffle, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, he, also, he also adds, a, like, a, a theory. So, my idea is, he says, Targaryen Banner has three-headed dragon. He thinks that Tyrion is one of them. He thinks that Danny's one of them and Jon is one of them. Not an uncommon theory. Mm-hmm. Been around there for a, been around for a while. Um, imagine this is a something that people from the book readers have been talking about for literally ten years. Um, yeah. So, 
where do you fall on that? Do you, th- do you think that, that makes sense? Um, yeah, I mean, people have been talking about this for a while. It's, it's interesting. I think he's just a, a show watcher, so just basing that on the banner, that's pretty cool. Because um, in the books, that's a prophecy okay. they talk about from like book two on or book one on, potentially. Um, I'm on my third or fourth read-through of the fifth book right now, and I've come to the conclusion that, yeah, Tyrion is a, a Targaryen. That's just me, though. I've just decided that. <laughs> okay. You just unilaterally made that decision? Yeah. You don't get to make just like decisions. little small things, and I'm like, yeah, too late. It's done. Okay. Well, all right. Um, and we also so this <laughs> we got two other emails this week touching on that fire scene with Danny. <laughs> two, not just one. And not only did we get two, it was two from completely different points of view. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we got one from Steelgrave. He wrote into our website. There's a form on the website on our contact us page, Tower Babel Podcast. Dot com. Head over there if you want to send us something, anything. And uh, Dan, do you want to break down what Steelgrave had to say? It's a long one. He wrote a long one. It's a pretty one. long one, so I'll just paraphrase. But basically, he, he's on our side in terms of uh, criticism of the scene. He thought it was ridiculous. He, um, <clears throat> he thinks the show is making a lot of, or in his email, a thousand illogical mistakes. <laughs> he can point out about the, the fire scene specifically. And he wants us to be more snarky and more critical of the show. And yeah, so that was that was my big takeaway from that. Is like, of course, okay. So yeah, he was on our side with the the ridiculousness of the Danny fire thing, which I've been waffling on a bit. <laughs> but um, I can't promise that we're going to be more snarky. I feel like my amount of snark is like at a certain level, and it doesn't really move. Even like okay, so even for Game of Thrones, I have a certain amount of like uh, I have a threshold of how much ridiculousness I'm willing to to accept before I start mentioning it, right? Yeah. And that I feel like that's that threshold is basically the same with almost everything I watch. You know, I'll, there's a, probably an exception, like I just saw Ninja Turtles, you know, the other day, the second one. Um, and I probably give a, a, allow it a little, I give it a little more slack just because it's in the Ninja Turtles, you know? But uh, generally, it, it's like, we're just, we're going to keep calling it, calling, you know, calling it as we see him. Calls it as we sees it, and uh, and if there's snark in there, you know that's you know, I hope you enjoy it. It's still great, <laughs> and you know, for all those others that think we're being negative, I apologize, but you know, I I can't keep apologizing for it. So we're just gonna we're just gonna do yeah. our thing and and hope you either agree or disagree. And you know what, we want to hear about it. So you can write. Yeah, it I'm, I'm liking I'm loving these emails. Although I mean, this fire scene it, it's been blown out of proportion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I don't know why this is the one. That makes people so mad. But. And then, yeah, so we, we also got another email from William Hardman who emailed in. And he basically was on the uh, the side of... He doesn't understand why people think that scene is ridiculous. Um, but he did say he liked the show. And uh, tell us to keep up the good work. So I appreciate that, uh, William. And uh, moving on. We also had a couple um, messages about the return of a certain uh, Clegane... And uh, so we also got some tiny digits, also via the website form, <coughs> um, asked about uh, the Clegane Bowl. Hi guys, love the show, still pretty new, but I had a question about the Clegane Bowl everyone is wanting to happen. Is this a thing? Is everyone wanting this to happen? I think so. Okay. I think they've been building it up since season one. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess. I just feel like this... That's, that's like what drives the Hound the whole time. Like, the whole time, the uh, first uh, three seasons that he's alive or whatever it is, is his hatred of his brother. Like, he, oh, that's all he talks about. I guess, but I'm saying... What I, my opinion on this is that this isn't the right 
form for it. Like the way that they, people are like, well, this is how it's going to play out. I don't think that that's how it's going to play out. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that right. later. Um, anyway, so what is, how does he finish it? In the book, uh, the hound finds the faith and starts leading this uh, this monkish lifestyle. Is this true? In the in the book, he lives as a monk. I mean, it's basically it's not really confirmed that is it's it? him, okay. but it might as well be him. like everybody knows it's him. So what do you think? Was it as monkey as monk monkey as monkish as the uh, um, as the what we saw him today? Because that's not. I would say more so. He's yeah, okay. he's silent. He's taking a vow of silence and he's digging graves on an island with a bunch of other silent monks. Okay, yeah, that's much more monkish. You're right. <laughs> um, anyways, he continues. And Cersei is planning her trial by combat with the mountain. I guess that's kind of a spoiler for the books. I mean, sorry, not really. I mean, I feel like we've caught again. It's point. not. It's not really confirmed. Any. It's just a big guy on an island. That's all. That <laughs> okay, all right. Is remarked upon. Could the faith call upon the hound? Yeah. But so <clears throat> that's your speculation. That you're saying that's not a spoiler. It's just your speculation. Yes. Too. Okay. Yes. Could the faith call upon the hound to be their champion? So this is where. Um, and he asked for any clarification. This is where I think people are off track here. Okay, so he just witnessed, and I'll, this is skipping ahead a little bit, but I just wanted to touch on it here because we're talking because we got the got the question. But the uh, the people that killed all of his friends, I guess, for lack of a better word, in this episode. Mm-hmm were killed by three men from the Brotherhood of Banners. And the Brotherhood of Banners are all about witch without religion. Without banners. What, sorry, without banners. You're right, sorry. Wit, they're all about witch religion. The Lord of Light. Right. And so, why would he fight with them just to take on just to take on his brother? I don't know, maybe. It seems unlikely. And and, and the, what I'm kind of reaching for is there's there's no connection there. Like, the the if the faith wanted to call on him... To fight his brother, there like there's no how would they even do that? You know, he's not affiliated. He's unaffiliated. Yeah, as far as anybody knows, he's dead and gone. Right. So I feel like that that showdown's coming. I just don't think it's going to be at the trial by combat. Yeah, that makes sense. Um. Then we also have John Bennett, fan of, uh, friend of the show. Uh, who do you think will face off against the Mountain in Cersei's trial by combat? So we just kind of touched on that, but uh, and this was to Twitter. He said this into Twitter, at Tower Babblecast on Twitter. Um, and uh, he says he doesn't believe the hound theory, and I'm with John on this, like we just said. I don't think it's the hound. Uh, he also asked, what's your prediction on who the broken man is on ten- that was for this episode? We think we're talking about we're talking about the hound here, right? That's yeah, why they called it that. Me. I feel like the title's been much more on the nose lately. <coughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, before we get into the our full recap just had a i always like when people compliment our audio quality because I, i've been working really hard to improve it so we got one from and this ah, um, <laughs> how would you pronounce how would you pronounce this name lucas niemkiewicz okay that's good i was really i was much more impressed i was not expecting you to get it that well uh anyway he says hi just listening to episode six uh or episode six of this season audio is much better thanks from poland so, thank you, Lukash. Lukash, you think? Maybe. Lukash. It's a Z. There's a Z at the end, so it makes it <coughs> something like that. And maybe it's just Lucas, you know, and they just have their own way of pronouncing it. Anywho, let's get into the episode. We're talking about season six, episode seven, "The Broken Man." It's directed by. Oop! Oh, I have to pull that up now. 
I usually have that written down, and now I have to pull it up. But it's directed by Mark Mylod, uh, Mark Mylod, written by David Benioff, Brian Cogman, uh, two long, obviously David Benioff, creator, uh, Brian Cogman, longtime uh, writer on Game of Thrones, uh, and Mark Mylod. What has he done? Let's let's take a quick peek here at his IMDb page. He is a former Game of Thrones. Okay, so he's directed Game of Thrones before. Uh, he directed next week's episode as well, and he directed Sons of the Harpy and High Sparrow last year. Um, so, and he's done some other TV work. Uh, he did the pilot for Minority Report. He did a bunch of stuff I don't recognize actually, but lots of TV. Shameless, uh, Big Bang Theory. Oh wait, no. No, no, that's not Big Bang Three. It's Bang Bang. It's Reeves and Mortimer. It's very, very different. Um, and yes, I guess a bunch of stuff I, I'm not, I'm not familiar with. But it's all TV stuff. So, and he has done Game of Thrones cool. before. So that's always what. It's usually kind of what I'm looking at. If it's a new director, I kind of want to see what they've done. But if it's former Game of Thrones, I want to see what they've done with that as before. So, anywho, where were we? So, this episode starts with a cold open. And I think for the first time, right? First time Other this season. Maybe the episode one. No, first time this season. Last time they did it was beginning of season four with Cersei's flashback. Um, so that was that was going to be a trivia question for you, Dan. When was the last uh, time they thought it? No, yeah. but you got it wrong. Um, just like you got most of the questions. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> we did Star Wars trivia last night at the bar. We got third place. And we got third place. But we were gunning for third place, so right. it's, I mean, it's all good. I would have taken first. I mean, I would have been okay with that. Although, again, the, fir- the f- I feel like the first prize was just not as... I don't want to get into it, but free wings for a year is pretty good. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, all right, so we start somewhere... Is this in the Riverlands? This is by the I would say it's or? in the Riverlands just because they deal with the Brotherhood, and that's okay. primarily where they're located. Okay. I just figured because he died near the Erie. Is the and are they next to each other? The Erie and the Riverlands are kind of close enough. Yeah, or he I mean, quote unquote yeah. died. Sorry. <laughs> um, anyway, so it's been a while since we got a cold open, like I said, and uh, we see a bunch of uh, simple folk uh, building stuff, building something. I guess it looks like kind of maybe a temple. It's hard or, to say. Yeah, it would be a, a sept. And um, everyone's smiling. See, everyone seems happy. happy. So you know they're for sure going to die. Uh, and then you see uh, Ian McShane. Everyone's been waiting to see what his role would be this season ever since he said he was... Ever since he leaked that he was on the show. But he's Ian McShane, so he gets to do that kind of stuff. And uh, so he's smiling, which is also something we don't get to see from him very often. <laughs> and he's playing a character named Brother Ray. And I don't Do we even... That's from his, like the IMDb credit. But I don't know. Do we even hear his name in the actual show? name, no. Anyway... Uh, we get this uh, this moment where we have people carrying. We see this like three people carrying this big log, and then I, I think I don't know if they did it on purpose, but an uninvertent commando homage, <laughs> because if anyone's seen the beginning of Commando, you know you know how you know Arnold Schwarzenegger is a badass. He's carrying a whole tree by himself, and so we see um, some unknown person carrying a whole tree by themselves, and turns out it's the Hound. I mean, we already talked about that. Um, and so I was doing a little bit of research as I like to do sometimes, not always, sometimes I was doing a little research. And the reason that did the cold open this week is because contractually the actor who plays the hound, his, uh, name has to appear in the opening credits. 
So if they mm. did, they started with a regular Game of Thrones open, just straight to opening credits and into the episode. It would have been his, revealed. Yeah, there, his, yeah. His, his reveal would have been spoiled, right? So it makes sense. It's kind of, again, it, it did feel a little out of place, just be like, he gets his own cold open. I mean, if, if you're trying to save the spoiler for the reveal, even if it was the first scene, I guess it kind of makes sense. <sighs> okay, so before we get into the actual episode, before even the title sequence, I have a gripe I need to address. And I know this is going to sound um, like I'm, I'm being super negative and I might get some hate mail for it, but you know, feel free to send it in. Um, I think it's a mistake that the Hound is alive. I think, I know people like this character that, you know, he's like, he's, he's, he's a fan favorite, man. He, yeah. he was for sure coming back, you know, rough and gruff, like lovable, but gruff, you know, kind of like Oscar the Grouch, you know? Um, but this season and for obvious reasons has cheapened death on Game of Thrones to, um, a large degree. Okay. Um, this is just one more nail in the coffin of anyone can die no one's safe i feel like because that was that was like the thing with the show anyone can die at any time no one's safe stakes are higher than any other show you've ever watched i feel i don't feel like that's that's still true true. i don't think that's true anymore um for a couple reasons specifically this this episode so we have the hound come back from who seemed pretty dead okay i mean i guess yeah we didn't see him die on screen so that's not but we also didn't see um stannis die on screen and we know he's dead so or is whatever. he? I mean, see, that's the problem. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem. That, anyway, whatever. Um, in season... It was two seasons ago. So season four, that at the end of season four, when he fought Brienne. At the time, yeah, I didn't like seeing him die, or what I believed to him die, but it felt earned, and it had a weight to it. Um, you know, and taking on its own, that scene in season four still works, but as a whole, now that scene's been cheapened. Um, you know, and it, like, like, as far as I understand, yeah, he's still alive. He was still alive in the books, maybe speculation, but you know, so specifically this episode, we have the hound come back and we have Arya stabbed in the gut like four or five times. Okay. She's not going to die. So you mm-hmm. have maybe not like cheating, like sort of cheapening death in this episode, but it's okay. No, next episode, she's not going to die or something. You know, um, you've also had John come back from the dead, uh, you have um, his uncle Benjamin is back. Oh, yo, we didn't know he was dead. That one's a bit, that one. But he is technically dead. Yeah, I'll allow that one. But you know what I mean? Like, do you get where I'm coming from with this? I don't know. I, I think <coughs> earlier in the season, one of our complaints or my complaints was that they were doing too much of the surprise you're dead stuff. You know, everybody was just like Prince Duran, Ariel Hota, Bruce Bolton were just randomly killed. So I think it still Although, has that feel. I don't know if feel. Bruce was randomly killed. I feel like Bruce's was earned too. I, that yeah. one I, I'm on. The, but I, I think that back then those that's what cheapened death for me in the show is just like random, almost mindless killing. You know, it needs to be earned. So here's the, the is the rules for death in television. It needs to be earned, okay? And you you can't pull superhero cards and have people coming back left and right. Otherwise, um, the weight of any death, mm-hmm. particularly a main character, basically means nothing at all. If you if you if anyone's been watching Arrow the last season, two seasons really. Death, it's, I mean, I understand it's a comic book show, but death literally means nothing. Like, mm-hmm. not... That's a, why I stopped watching not it. Not a thing. Point. Although, apparently this time, it this there's a certain, someone's 
died. I'm not going to spoil Arrow on our Game of Thrones podcast, but someone died at the end of this season, this last season four. And they're like, for realsies this time, guys. Oh, of course they are. They're, they're dead, I promise. And, and I promise, I promise you that she, <laughs> that they are not dead. I, I almost know. I It's like, it's so obvious to me. Anyway, I don't want to. I don't want to get into it. I don't imagine this show is going to get into that. It, it can't get realm. that bad. It can't get that bad. No. If Stannis were to come back, as much as I would like it, that, with that no would head, headless horseman, headless horseman Stannis. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so let's get into. Okay, so credits. Da, 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 and then um, we'll go. Let's just finish off with the hound stuff. Yeah. Um, so. This episode actually felt a lot like a season one episode, and I'll, I'll touch on it a whole bunch of times. I'll call them out every time, but uh, there was a lot of um, what they call two-handers, which is uh, a scene with two actors playing off one another, and that's it, in dialogue. Um, and I I always found that it made for really compelling television, especially with that early se- like even the, Some of the stuff they even just made up for the show in season one, um, was it was typically a two-hander that they needed for filler, quote unquote filler, was some of the best stuff that they had, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of stuff with like Littlefinger and Varys. Yeah, right, and all that stuff is great, right? And there's a lot of two-hander scenes in this episode, and I'll call them out as we as I see them. But I think most of them work really well. Um, and no, this is not the most exciting episode of Game of Thrones you're going to see all season. Um, I don't think it was great, but I think uh, as far as character moments i thought was pretty good so um you know on that note everything that is going on with the hound is basically a two-hander with ian mcshane so you have ian mcshane is an amazing actor you know and and then the guy who plays the hound which i can't remember his name offhand it's uh rory hold on i have it up here right no, now. i want to say mcshane it's not mcshane <laughs> no it can't be mcshane that'd be very strange if it was, if it was <laughs> i can pull it up um See, control F so you can find stuff. Hound. It's Rory McCain. Uh-huh. So that's pretty close. Yeah. And okay, so where were we? Um, the, let's see. What well, the first one is the two of them kind of talking about, kind of catching up on what happened about him having almost died, but not really. The hound having. Um, he's kind of in a place where he feels. Like, he needs to atone for his sins, you know? He, he feels like he's done all these terrible things, and, and he, he it's like he shouldn't still be alive, you know? He's having that survivor's guilt that mm-hmm. people get. And uh, I, just, I feel like all these scenes, I don't know if you agree, everything with Ian McShane works for me this week. Other it's than great. The, other than the fact that we're introduced to him and he's killed in the same episode. I don't yeah. think, I don't like that at all. I think that's rushed and stupid. But at the same time, they, this, this, there's not that much time left in this show, and they had to do this all in one Did episode. Did they? Why? What, where is this? I don't know. Otherwise, these people to? should have been established. Like, this little community could have been established a couple episodes ago. But I think that kind of softens the Hound reveal. Okay, so you want to make an impactful reveal for the Hound. I think mm. just having him appear two seasons later, we thought he was dead. Pretty impactful, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't think you need to see a, a dead Ian McShane hanging from a rope. To that's what's going to get the hound back into the fray, you know. He he was he he was retired. He was it was a simple life. He was going to make no, himself I, useful and I build get, churches. No, I, get, see, I get it. I don't think you need to see dead Ian McShane hanging from a rope at the end of the same episode. We were introduced to Ian McShane, mm-hmm. 
that's where I that's where I have the grip. But realistically, there's only three episodes left, and there's much more important stuff. Like, right. Okay. It would it would feel rushed in another episode, anyways. Okay. Obviously, so you, I think so just con- condense it all into one episode, call it the Broken Man, make it basically a Hound episode, yeah. and move along. All right, all right, fine, fine, fine. Right, you convince me. It's okay. I don't. St- I don't love it. I'll allow it. No, neither do I. But I understand. Um. So okay, what what else happens? So we have the, the first scene. We have the two talking about you know basically catching us up. Then you have a scene about kind of giving us a, a light backstory on Ian McShane's character. So he's a pious man, but he was formerly he used to be more of a warrior type. Which again, it makes like once you get all the scenes together, you understand why Ian McShane was like uh, was cast in this role. It sucks that he was killed in one episode, like we said. Mm-hmm. But so you need someone who's instantly likable right a lot of charisma you make sure has that okay so that works you need someone who you can buy as being a bat as has been a badass was a badass previously and now has taken up um the religion right and mm-hmm. not even as not even any particular religion just believes in a higher power right well he he's of the seven right he has a seven point of star in his chest but because he has to have something yeah. otherwise you can't you know, yeah he's just, just a spiritual like, man otherwise you'd just be crazy he'd be a crazy person um so you need by that he's a badass and you need, he needs to have lots of charisma and that has that's Ian McShane in a nutshell so it makes sense that they cast him in this role again sucks he died in one episode um and then we get a scene with Basically, taught, we get a, these three writers uh, from the Brotherhood Without Banners show up um, while they're having a little church session, and uh, basically they they're they're looking for protection money, classic mob style protection money. It would be a shame if something happened <laughs> to your nice community that you were building, you know, and uh, so they leave. And without not surprising anyone, actually, they get one more conversation where they talk about like taking up arms to protect the people, and he's like, "I I can't do that." And then we get the his... Brotherhood guy also mentions something about the Lord of Light. I don't know if this this attack is anything religious behind it, but there is that. There's two different faiths here. Are you think that these these three riders are acting unilaterally, or are they just are they kind of just are they? Off orders from the Brotherhood without banners because they were kind of they were weren't played as necessarily heroes, but they weren't necessarily villains when we saw. Well, them. yeah, they were outlaws. They were Robin Hood and his merry men, right? Right. But the war is over. The bad guys still won, and they're at this point. I think they're just kind of attacking anybody and taking whatever they can. They're they're outlaws. Mm. You know, they're no longer robbing from the rich and giving to the poor. No, they're just robbing from the poor. They're just robbing everybody. <laughs> yeah, just robbing. Okay. Keeping it for themselves. <laughs> robbing from everyone and keeping it for ourselves. That's much more of a thieves motto than robbing from the rich and giving the poor. <laughs> um, and then so we, we hear some sounds and by the time he gets back, how far away could he have been that he heard sounds? Yeah. But by the time he got back, everyone was dead. And okay, so here's my question. Did Ian McShane hang himself? Did he kill himself? No, I think he was hanged. He, or he was hung, okay. Hanged. Hung. You say when someone is, is hanged, you say Hanged. Oh, it's like, you, you, it's like a, you, a picture could be hung, a person is hanged. Oh, it's like when you fell a tree? Yeah. Mm. Uh, English is weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I, I kind of took it as he had actually hanged himself as, out of, um, instead of, he was so, forced to protect, to take up arms, and instead of doing that, hanged himself. Although, in retrospect, that 
probably probably doesn't make very much sense. <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense. And also the Brotherhood, that's their, their their primary means of execution is to hang people. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, there's a couple things in this episode that aren't clear. Mm-hmm. That's one of them, I think. Um, Here's another on. one. Uh, this is a very minute detail, and it's not a big deal. Okay, but when they're going over it. all the dead bodies, like, why are there axes buried in people? Like, you don't just leave your weapons in, in people you Man, kill. it's way oh, more wait. gruesome when you leave <laughs> like, your axe. Or so maybe stupid. you got it in there so hard that maybe. you got stuck, you know? Because, like, well, before the hound gets back, <laughs> we better take off, you know? Cheese it! So <laughs> It's just kind of weird. I didn't, you know, I didn't even notice that. Okay, so what's next? We have, unless there's anything, okay, sorry. What's next here for the Hound? I don't want to, that's, that's important. I feel like we should address that. Where does he go from here? I think it's pretty straightforward. He's, like, where else can he go? He grabs his little axe and he's going to go kill a brotherhood. Okay. Go fight. Now, I guess it's unclear whether Beric Dondarrion and Thoros of Mir are still in charge because we don't see them yeah. in this episode. But well, Most likely they are, you think. In theory, you could get a rematch. Right, with the flaming sword? Yeah. Didn't he... Wait, didn't the Hound win the first time? He did. So why would they... Okay. But Beric Dondarrion was brought back to life. Right. And as far as I can remember, he was never killed again. Well, as far as we know. In the show, yeah. I don't think we ever saw him again after that. I yeah. think that was the last time we've seen him. That was like three seasons ago. Um, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that, yeah, he was... Okay, revenge. Like, so... I guess we could say he's he's probably in the Riverlands somewhere. It it's not outside the realm of possibility for him to end up closer to Riverrun or running into Brienne or Jamie or somebody along the way. I guess once everything possible. is resolved yeah. over there, like they're all in the same general area, and this is what's happening towards the end of the season as people are converging, right? Right. I guess what I would I guess that makes more sense that he would run like rematch with Brienne makes more sense to me mm. than uh, he somehow ends up in King's Landing to fight his brother in an episode is almost like seems almost impossible like i just don't see it yeah at this point how is he going to get to yeah. king's landing unless he's captured and taken there by jamie or but even then it. he has no connection to the faith so i don't see how he would yeah be like why would he want to fight with the like the faith that just murdered all of his new friends like that does mm-hmm. it not it doesn't add up and unless if the only way he'd be able to get to game to king's landing in time is if he was using the same method of transportation that uh, <laughs> little, little finger uses uh, he hide. He, I mean, we're already dealing with um, time travel. I mean, teleportation is just like another. That's the next step. Yeah. Basically. I can't wait till the alien invasion. <laughs> I guess that's like the White Walkers. <laughs> well, I mean, no, that's the zombies. They're, they're it's just zombies. another cliche. Yeah. Um, okay, so we go from here. Uh, hmm. To the north. Yeah, is it? The, is that where we go next? It, I think there's actually another scene before we go to the north, but I I want to talk about the north stuff anyway because it's my favorite. Um, it's as always my favorite stuff. Yeah. Although sure. there is uh, one exception. This episode actually has um, one scene that I liked more than anything that was in the north, and we'll get when we get there. We'll talk about it. Um, so we start off with. And basically everything with Sansa and John this week is a series of three meetings uh, that they, they have. So the first being to convince the wildlings to, to join, which I thought was already established. I thought they were already doing that. And this is where I talk about like something not being not being super clear. This scene isn't super clear, okay? And I don't know if... I've actually talked to a few people since the episode 
which I don't normally get to do before we do that record this. So like some a few just regular show watchers, yeah. and they were just as confused by this scene. So we have a scene, and everyone's like deciding, okay, should should the wildlings join up with John in John's effort to retake um, Winterfell? And they're like, well, it's not our fight, blah blah blah. John convinces them, well, it doesn't matter if it's your fight; it will be. If I lose, they could, they'll come for you, um, and you know, if I win, the, someone will still try to come for you. So you might as well back me because that way, at least I can protect, like protect you from all the other houses and whatever. Um, and then also the White Walkers later, because that, like you said, so either they kill you or the other people kill you. Either way, you're dead if you don't help me, which is fairly, which is pretty convincing. Yeah, straightforward. Yeah, and then you have uh, you have one one the giant stands up says snow. Nothing else is said, and everyone walks away. So, I had people ask me, like, "So wait, did they not back him, or what was happening there?" Is people? Well, no, they shook hands. It was pretty clear that the wildlings are backing them. It, again, I thought it was not as clear as it could be. You're right. It is like him and the wildling leader, whoever pretty, that was supposed to be, shook yeah, hands. I think that's pretty, clear enough. It's a small nit to pick. I think it could have been more done more clear. It was all right. Anyway, good scene. Tormund makes a good speech. Um, I think, which is actually from the trailer. Uh, from the part of it might be from the trailer from the season actually mm. if I remember correctly and then um, we can okay so here's a question do we keep with the north or remove over to the riverlands yeah let's just do, do the, the riverlands in between first okay it's next in the notes here it's easier mm-hmm. okay so this is where I was talking this is where we're getting into the part where I liked this stuff maybe more than uh, the north stuff so we see um we see Jamie ride up in his Lannister gear, which you don't get to see him in much for, in very often. I think when was the last time we saw Jamie wearing Lannister armor? Yeah, probably season two, something like that. One mm-hmm. gets captured in season one, right? So maybe that might, might be the last time. Um, so he's wearing his Lannister gear. Bronn is at his side, which is great. Everyone loves Bronn. It's good to have Bronn back. Yeah, yeah. He has some really good one-liners in here today. Oh man, always they gave him just the best line. <laughs> Um, it's not fair. We get a really cool shot of the size of the Lannister army, like just coming up along the river. Huge, so many soldiers, right? And uh, they arrive at the uh, at where is it? River Run. Yeah. And uh, wait, I have to mention. I we have to mention Bronze, like quick little jab about like Jamie's promising him. Don't worry, we'll get all the stuff I promised you. And the then Lannister he tries, always. He's like, nope, don't say it. <laughs> don't even say it. I lo- that's got to be like the funniest moment in yeah. Game of Thrones in a long time. Um, okay, so yeah, so I was, my notes say the Bron sass, a lot of good Bron sass in this episode. And uh, this is another brief two-handed scene, again, between two re- likable characters. I mean, it's hard to, it's easy to forget the, the shitty stuff that Jamie has pulled. Because he, he is he's he just had, charismatic guy. He's been more likable, especially lately. And um, okay, so they arrive at uh, River Run, and the Tullys, or sorry, the Freys are already there with Edmer Tully, uh, the the unfortunate soul who got married at the red wedding. Although fortunate that he wasn't murdered like everyone else, I guess, but he's been a prisoner for some time now. Yeah. <clears throat> he gets as many lines as Bronn, or as, uh, uh, not, what's it, not say Bronn, uh, it was, uh, what's his name, uh, Young Stark. Rob? No, no. Oh, Rickon? Rickon. 
Yeah, okay. Rickon doesn't get to speak, and neither does Edmer. Um, so, basically, the Tullys here are trying... Sorry, the Freys. Oh, man, so all these names. The Freys are trying to um, convince the Blackfish. Okay, so who's the Blackfish? Okay, no, recap us here. The Blackfish is Catelyn and Edmure's uncle, their, their father's brother. So he's a you know a renowned warrior for fighting on the Stepstones and the War of the Nine Petty Kings, <clears throat> and he's he's controlling River Run, but technically it's Edmure's castle. Like Edmure's the heir to River Run, right? But he's a prisoner. Yes, it's it, it's his name. It's it's his in name only. Right? Yes. Okay. So yeah, the Fraser <clears throat> threatening to execute him if the Blackfish won't open the gates, and, and the Blackfish is like, screw like, it. He calls Go his ahead. bluff. Yeah, he just yeah. calls his bluff. And it's like, you know, it's it's so... I love the stupid little hats that the, the phrase wear. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, it's it, they might as well be out of like a Monty Python skit. They really, yeah, they look like medieval serfs. <laughs> like, it's... it's it, Just the hats make them look funny. I mean, uh, so I love that. How ineffectual they are, it's, it's pretty obvious. Like, they make it pretty clear. Uh, I like how Jamie just kind of like takes it all in and just watches the whole thing play out. And then steps in... Um, I love the, uh, <laughs> I love the like lesson that he teaches to that to one of the the tully or the phrase there. I don't know why mm-hmm. he's making make that that mistake. Um, where he's like, well, he gives him a quick lesson on not making empty threats. For, yeah, which is good. Walk and walk. Yeah. Um, and then he asks for a parlay, which you don't get to hear very often. A parlay with the blackfish, and this this scene. Is my favorite. We haven't, you know, we used to do this. I don't know if Danny, if you remember, we used to pick our favorite scene every episode. We haven't done it for a while, for whatever reason. I think it's been pretty obvious for the, like this whole season. That's true. And it's we both have agreed, so with... it's kind of pointless if we both just like, yeah. I also really like that scene. You know? <laughs> That's fair. I mean, some, sometimes it used to be. Sometimes it'd be different. But yeah. today, this is easily my favorite scene. So the this confrontation between the Blackfish and Jamie is so. Great, and this again, another two-hander, just two, just two actors in a really great location, standing on a drawbridge over a uh, a moat, which again makes sense for a castle in the Riverlands would have a moat. Makes sense to me. Uh, do you think? Here's a question: This was for that set. Do you think they built that um, drawbridge and moat wall, all that stuff, or do you think there's a castle? Somewhere in know. Europe that has it that. looks pretty legit, but they can they can make that stuff pretty uh, cheap and quickly if they want. They can make that pretty cheap. They can make a drawbridge over a moat with a sweet bridge, yeah, pretty quick and cheap. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. I'm not. I don't want to get too far into the. I just thought that was everything there looked really really good, you know. Um, I I just love the scene. I love <laughs> watching these two these two play off each other. I love the way that it starts with like. Blackfish, Kingslayer, like so because they because they go by they, they don't go by. There's, there's no Sir Jamie and Sir Brynden. His name's Brynden. Yeah. Okay. Brynden Tully. And where so where does he get the name Blackfish from? Uh, he wears all his armor's black. He he's known to have sort of like a black or lack of humor sort of thing. Like he's mm-hmm. just very dark. Tully, and his brother was the heir and tried to set him up with a bunch of marriages, and he just kind of refused straight out, and he's just a fighter i don't know that's just what his he's name is badass he's a he's, he took the blackfish as his sigil rather than the silverfish of house tully okay because he's like the black sheep of the family sort of thing um fair enough and uh i like that 
he mentions the deal that Jamie made with Catelyn. Well, it's the best. He's like, are you, are you, are you here to resume your, your internment? (laughs) We have your cell waiting, you know? (laughs) Uh, I, there's, it's it's great seeing these two guys size each other up because that's really what's happening here. Um, Jamie craves like he absolutely needs to be. I don't know what the, what's the word here. Um, ju- Justification is not the right, right word, but he he needs people to respect him, right? He needs it, and so he goes to he talks to this to goes to talk to the blackfish, and instead of it ends with I wasn't impressed, right? Mm-hmm. And he, I, that's got to sting, Jamie. Like he he already lost one hand. He's already got a black mark on his name as like the Kingslayer or whatever, right? And so when he goes to see these well-renowned warriors, because he respects warriors, he respects these people, mm-hmm. right? And he, he definitely respects the Blackfish. And instead of getting any you know, uh, anything back from him, it's just all disdain, you know? Yeah. I would say, without getting too deep into Jamie as a character, he's one of the most interesting characters on the show and in the books because I don't know if he necessarily needs it. I think Crave is a good way to put it, but he operates, um, like he accepts that people know him as the Kingslayer and he will never have that respect. He's just like, he he's like, no bullshit. And he just wanted to parlay, he wanted to actually, like you, you can see we have an army here, you're never going to win, let's just talk this out sort of thing, let's just get this done. He he didn't want to you know play those games and Two Blackfish years. was having none of it. Sorry. Two years they can. Yeah. Survive. Do you think that's it's a bluff? Said. It's think probably it's... a bluff to some degree. Two years is a long time. I feel like a lot of food would go bad in two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I it's okay. So they have the moat. So here's what I was here's what I'm thinking of. Okay. So because they were building the trebuchets, right? Which is like the what's another word for trebuchet? Just like a. Trebuchet is a good word for trebuchet. Yeah, no, but like there used to be. What's the other one? Like it's not. It's, You're it's thinking a catapult. Catapult. That's what I'm thinking of. It's different. Yeah. My question, and then they mention siege towers, right? Mm-hmm. And if, you know, if everyone's played like Age of Empires or whatever, they know about siege towers and trebuchets and all that stuff. Um, maybe not even if you played those games, you can just know about <laughs> you them. You might anyway. just know history. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but if you have a moat, how the hell do you get a siege tower? So. It wasn't clear with the shot of River Run, but I, I don't think that's a natural moat. They didn't dig it. That that's the actual river. Okay. Uh, it's actually a couple of the forks of the trident coming together, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think it goes all the way around. I think there are areas where a siege tower would be able to go up to the wall. Okay. That because that was the impression I got. I was like, oh, siege towers. That's cool. You it's know? hard. Even in the books, it's hard to picture it. So it's like the way that the river splits. There's like three islands that approach the castle and would touch on the castle, but none of those islands can touch each other. So like. When Jamie was ambushed and he, when he was captured the first time, he had his army separated into threes. So that's why he was able to be ambushed. Uh, that's, they couldn't, oh, they couldn't that, get across the river to help each other. Oh, I see. So that was where he got captured the first time. Was this basically I right here? I believe so. Okay. Well, actually, I don't think that happened in the show, but in the books, that's what happened. Yeah, I think they did it a little bit differently. But it was in the Riverlands, I believe, that mm-hmm. that happens. Um... Anything else we want to take away from anything that happened here? I guess takeaways story-wise, uh, siege is going to get is happening here. We know Brienne's on the on our way in, so we're mm-hmm. probably going to get a Brienne Jamie meetup. Um, what else? They wouldn't kill Edmure. It was an empty threat. I don't think Jamie's going to kill him either, but they have to do something with him. Yeah, I mean, okay, so if, if he's and not I also kill- don't like this isn't going to be a two year siege. There's going to be some sort of resolution this season, right? I mean, obviously. Um, that wouldn't be very make wouldn't make for very compelling television. 
Okay, so let's move on. Back to the north. And we get um, another look into John and Sansa's recruitment efforts. And uh, now we're at Bear Island. And pretty cool looking. I think we get an establishing shot. I can't... I, I, my thing skipped out when I was watching it on um, at the airport. Do we get the establishing shot of Bear Island, or is that just River Run that I saw in the castle? It's probably just River. I don't even remember, man. This show is already two days ago. It's all gone. <laughs> I don't remember. Anyway, well, I hope that's what it was. Either it was a really cool shot of River Run or a really cool shot of Bear Island. Either way, <laughs> um, I think maybe both. Anyway, we get to see that the uh, the head of the house of. House Mormont. House Mormont. Yeah, I guess I would say the Lord of Bear Island. The lady. The lady. Okay, the lady of Bear Island. Um, it's a young, a young woman, ten years old, and she is. Uh, what's her name, Dan? Lyanna. Named after. Uh, after Ned's older sister. Right. And so, before we even get into how this actual scene plays out, I just want to mention I find it super interesting to see how like the effects of the Red Wedding are still the ripples, are still being felt today, um, in the show. Especially mm-hmm. in the north, because it, all those dead heads of, uh, of the families left a me- like a huge power vacuum. Um, Absolutely, that was the best and brightest of the north that went south with Rob. Right, so it's like a, just a brain drain, basically, mm-hmm. and pushed all those young, um, like all these young and otherwise unprepared lords and ladies into positions of power. And it's clear that some of them aren't handling it well. Um, she clearly is. I don't know if you remember this, but um, when. Uh, Stannis sent out ravens to northern houses looking for help. They got a raven back from the Mormons saying, um, you know, we only serve one king. uh, The king in the north named Stark. Yeah, with the name Stark, right. And when I'm reading the book, I like I I always picture it being written in crayon just because it's a little (laughs) kid. (laughs) I I don't think crayons exist. No, they don't. (laughs) <laughs> it's funnier that way and she's got like her E's or backwards or something like that <laughs> um, and so actually this this is probably the best of the North stuff this week um, I think almost I mean I don't know if there's a question on that um, well, I would beg well keep going my favorite scene is the one with the Gluffers but that's later on really you like that one more I don't Absolutely. Like, I like that one more um, so we have this this great scene and uh Sansa and Jon, they're just not very good at this. <laughs> they just don't... They really... I, I just imagine they're almost... Be, the Ravens are almost more convincing than actually having these two, like, somber Starks with... who. And she calls them on it. Like, she's technically married twice. Jon's not even a Stark, right? He's a Snow. So you have these... You're like, you know, we'd love to back the Starks, but, like, you know, you need to show me one. You know, although I feel like Rick and Stark being in, being held captive has got to be a big one. There's that, and and that these are still children of Eddard Stark. Right. Although one is not a trueborn child, there's still like there's still that connection. Um, and that's clearly why these certain houses houses decide to join them anyways. Right. There's still that loyalty. Um, Davos seals the scene here, right? Makes does a really great job. He, I think, more than anyone knows how to talk to young. The young girls you know he was i mean him and uh what was the princess shireen uh they had a connection so he he's he's a he's a fatherly type you know he yeah. seems trustworthy enough sir davos of house seaworth and uh yeah he's able to convince them to give them 67 men 62 
62 I thought okay either way small amount uh, every little bit counts at this point that's true and then uh, okay so the house glover scene why don't you break this one down since it's your favorite where are we here house glover <laughs> that's where we're <clears throat> I don't know I just really like how that, that little diatribe that he went into about going south with Rob and how they they have always been loyal to the Starks and how it, did, it feels like they, they've only sacrificed and haven't really gained anything and they lost anyways you know yeah. what I mean it was just cool to see. So I, I'm assuming this is uh, Robert Glover, or something. It doesn't matter. Why is that? That, that house is cool. They're they're one of the more powerful houses in the north, out of the ones that are left. And they they mentioned the Mandalays again, but again, we haven't seen them. It's just so weird that they keep mentioning these. Well, the Mandalays are the furthest away. Okay. They're the furthest south, I guess, south uh, east of the northern houses. I just they keep mentioning it like it's a big deal, but then then they never. I think it will be a big deal, and we saw Sansa writing a letter. We can all assume that that's to Littlefinger because they need. Yeah. She, she's the one saying that they need more help, and they have six thousand men at the at Boat Kaelin from the Erie, right? Yeah. And I don't know if this would happen or not, but the Erie, or, or sorry, at that Mo Kaelin, Mo Kaelin is closer to the Manderleys than any of the other people are right now, so okay. he could potentially gain their support as well. Okay. I mean, yeah, we saw that Sansa's right the letter, like you said, it's clearly the Littlefinger. Like, it's got to be. No, they, it's not clear who it's written to, but it, again, pretty obvious. Um. So you, you like the Glover scene? I, 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 you know, I don't not like it. I just like the other one more. I guess I'd say I, mm. I also liked it, uh, because again you get to see that the the differences and how these different. So this is a brother of, of uh, who Lord was in Glover. charge. Yeah. So it was it was the brother of the, the previous Lord, right? Galbert Glover. So now this is instead of the daughter, it's a a, a brother. So it's a whole different. Um, dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know this. This brother always probably like you know he's never going to be the heir, blah blah blah. You know, um, and you know then he's thr- then he's put into this into yeah, this position. forced into this position. He's got to protect his small folk. The Boltons helped him get his castle back. As much as he you know is loyal to the Starks, he can't just turn around and betray the Boltons for that. I mean, he right? could. <laughs> no, but like his, his honor prevents him. Yeah, from doing and that, he makes a, and he makes a lot of good. He makes a lot of good arguments. Uh, like before he storms off, well, and it's one of those like his people are clearly like tired. They're weary of war. Everybody yeah. is. It's been going on for however long, and it's done nothing but cause damage, right? If only people had seen Hard Home, you know, people mm-hmm. would be a lot more willing to help. I think. <laughs> um, and then yeah, so before we get the to the Sansa writing her letter, um, we get that scene where they just basically. Discuss. They're, they're camped at the same place Stannis was camped uh, before uh, before he died, before they marched on Winterfell. And they don't have very many people, obviously. There's a small army. Um, and it's basically a conversation between uh, Sansa and Jon about, you know, either we go now before the before winter gets worse, or we... You know, we we look for more men, but we probably you know it's gonna be not make a huge difference, and we could lose any strategic advantage we might have. Yeah. You know, and also you got to remember, Rickon is there, and he's that's not a good place for him. Right, whatever is happening to him is not good. We haven't seen anything from Ramsay. Like, mm-hmm. I don't like when he's scheming off screen because then we have no idea <laughs> what's what's to come. You know, how do I prepare yeah. myself for that? I mean, he could easily. What did he do last season? He he took like twelve men and went out into the snows and sabotaged Stannis's camp or some bullshit yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, he went and that was dumb. He murdered their horses. Yeah, and uh, yeah, set fire to a bunch of tents and stuff. Yeah. like that. 
I mean, it's our, It's not like their army super together anyway. Like, well, I guess the difference is they don't really know that John and them are coming. That's why. They I, have I think a they do. Slight know. advantage. No, because he was planning to to march on Castle Black. Oh right. Um, what I do like in this scene that they mention, uh, or they, they at least address, is like, why is Davos even here? Like, why, why does John trust Davos so much? There isn't really much of a connection there, and there never really was, but well, Sansa yeah, mentions it. Yeah, and then they kind of explain it. Yeah, it was, it's, it's, it's cool enough. It, it doesn't necessarily solve anything, but it's... I didn't question it even. I didn't even question it. I was like, yeah, of course Davos... Like, why would Davos be, like, John's right-hand man? It doesn't... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they, they literally only known each other for, like, how long? Yeah. Uh, like, a couple days. Yeah. I guess a couple weeks, probably. Sure. Uh, well, no, maybe even a month. You even know? then. I mean, I guess, yeah. I don't know. It's hard to say. I guess Davos is one of the few people he had left with him that actually was like, he's like he's on his side, you know? Mm-hmm. He felt he could trust him because Stannis trusted him. And he him. doesn't have any vows to the Night's Watch, so he didn't have to stay there. Yeah. And where else is he supposed to go? <laughs> and yeah, like, also, I'm not complaining. I like Davos. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Okay, so, King's Landing. Another two-hander scene. This is all two-handers. Everything here is another just... I don't know if I like that term two-hander. It's called a two-hander. I don't like it though. It's stupid. I, I don't. I didn't invent it. Okay. Two-hander. Take it up with the English dictionary. <laughs> um, so Marjorie and the High Sparrow have a quick conversation. She's obviously been able to convince him that she's all in with the face with the faith. Um, she almost had me fooled too. Almost. Almost. Um, <laughs> the sparrow's urging her to perform her marital duties, um, and there's something like a, there's like just the whole, the phrasing, the the word choices <laughs> they use here, a little unsettling. Like I think she, what did she say? Like she, she's like she just, she didn't feel, basically along feel the, the same urges. Or yeah, whatever. urges. Like oh, you don't have to have urges. You're basically just a like a vessel or like. A, well, that's why it's called a duty. You you, you yeah. just do it anyways. Right? Yeah. Uh, but it just it's like ooh, you know, it just yeah. it, it felt like a little that. scuzzy. And the idea that like Tommen was like tattling, <laughs> like hey, uh, <laughs> like so like Beatrice had tweeted us uh, Beatrice Body friend of the show. She had said like, can you imagine the conversation between Tommen and the High Sparrow, dude? Like she's like totally not putting out. Can you talk to her? <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is pretty funny. Um, you gotta imagine he's getting up there in age where she's like, you know. Well, yeah, Tommen is at that age, and Marjorie is one of the most beautiful women in the in the Seven realm at this point, right? Yeah. And he always looked up to her, and this is like promised to him. Like, it's come, like, come on, on like let's get on. this going here. I'm the king now. <laughs> um, he also wants. Uh, he makes some, I guess, veiled threats, to very similar to the way that the the riders from the Bannerhead of No Brothers or the. Brotherhood of No Banners. <laughs> the Brotherhood of No Brothers. <laughs> um, oh similar, like, just basically saying, hey, you know, uh, I fear for Lady Olena's safety, you know. And we know that it would be him that might be mm-hmm. the one who would risk her safety. But she's playing She's playing along. So she goes to meet um, with, uh, with her mother. And another two-handed scene, two-hander scene, and um, she comes in and she's with um, what's uh, what's Septa her name? Septa Unella. Septa. Okay, so the Septa's there, so she can't. She has to maintain character. She can't break character here, mm-hmm. right? And 
basically convinces her that she needs to go or tries to convince her that she needs to leave uh, and that she's like, hey, don't worry, you know, I'll, I have the faith now. Don't have to worry about me. She go back to High Garden, and then in the like, list, seriously, the most obvious handoff. Like, yeah, they even like they they made that sound extra <laughs> obvious for, for the audience too. Um, it just seems so odd. Like, if Septa didn't, if the Septa didn't see that, I don't know. Like, she's not doing her job well. Um, so we had uh, Philip Wampfler on Twitter ask uh, to us to explain the rose drawing in detail, and I said we'd do that. And it's, I don't think it's actually that uh, too complicated. Well, yeah, the rose is the sigil of House Tyrell, a golden rose on a right. green field. So to me, that just means that her, her true loyalties are still with her family, she's, that she's showing her grandmother that she's still playing the game that her grandmother taught her. Yeah. And just it's like, trust me, I got this. And House Tyrell is, is what I really care about. So she's going to be working through the faith from within to get Loris out and back to Highgarden and reclaim the the throne for herself really mm -hmm. okay yeah and, it, and that's that's how i interpreted it as well so I, I have nothing really to add there it i can understand why some people might be like well it's like, instead of a, a message that says something it's like she took the time to draw a rose you yeah know? um so that that's kind of symbolism it's more yeah, it's powerful like, than words <laughs> you know what they say a picture is worth a thousand words you know how hard it would be to fit a thousand words onto a note that small mm -hmm. um and also, it wouldn't have as much power if she if the note just said like "Granny, trust me, I got this." You know? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Um, and though, so she does convince Lady Olenna to actually leave King's Landing, uh, basically saying, "Hey, you're you're gonna be safer there. I don't worry." And so she does. She leaves, but before she does. Um, she has another. Two, there's another two-hander. God damn! Another you, two. I you don't I'd have to use the term said, though. Like, I said I'd call it out every single time. And I promised. Uh, and this is one's between Elena and Cersei, and these are always great. I mean, I like really enjoyable scene. Obviously, I loved this one. I think most people who are watching probably did. Uh, Lady Elena basically channels the audience and tells Cersei everything that we've been thinking. You know, quote unquote, this is all your fault, mm -hmm. essentially. Uh, the only difference is this time Cersei admits that she was wrong, which I don't think you see her do very often. She's um, desperate. She needs the help more do you than think, she thought. Do you think she's just saying that, or do you think she actually believes that she made a mistake? Uh, I think even if she did believe it, she would never say it in, if it wasn't in order to gain her help. You know, like it's it's another game that Cersei plays. That's all she does. So she so she's she, saying it. It's the same yeah. as Marjorie pretending to be you know so pious and faithful. Right. Now it's like get that person on my side. So you actually don't think she. Them. You think she actually has no, like regrets as far as anything that she did there like that she's like she's she's still all in with that but she's willing to say whatever she has to say no i think she definitely does have regrets it's just out of character for her to admit that especially to a, an enemy well she has right? been a little bit different this season yeah um i love the line from olena you know i wonder if you're the worst person i've ever met is so great you know yeah. like and then she goes and it's like you know it's hard to say in my old age you know you meet so many people but she probably met mad king Eris. yeah she's I don't know if she's met the mountain, but she's been alive while he's right. been alive. So it's like, you are probably the the worst scum. So she's definitely up there, yeah. I, I can't think, I can't really think of anyone much worse. Like her, her previous son <laughs> yeah. was pretty bad. I mean, Ramsey, but I don't think Lady Olenna's ever met Ramsey. Right. 
don't know. There aren't very, like Cersei's one of the few characters that has no real redeeming quality. Like she, you don't like when you see things really from her point this. of view, it, it still doesn't fly. You know, like they, yeah, they really tried this season though. Hey, yeah. I mean, I, it, you, you I can understand felt. like the the motherly standpoint. Like she's doing this all for her children, but it's just like she's going about things wrong, and she's just. I, I, it's, I they try again like I said they try to like make us care for her at the beginning of the season I don't know if they abandon that or they just think you know like what you know what or they're still trying it but just not working you know I just, I just don't find her at all to be she's purely a villain to me I don't see it like I don't see any any redemption from her mm. uh, any any takeaways story wise um, from the King's Landing stuff well just that Marjorie's still playing the Game of Thrones and Good use of the Pretty, word. Game yeah, of right. Yeah. <laughs> um, again, like I'm just—I don't know how this is all going to be resolved, but I think the fate in the High Sparrow has to be done this season. I, yeah, they can't. They, yeah, it's just been—it's been going on for a while. It's a what are they? How do you say? It's like a a hanging. Uh, what's it called? It's like uh, with the guillotine axe above. It's a, just a hanging okay, axe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a saying for that. I can't remember what the the, ma- the, the maxim is, but. Um, so yeah, that, that it, it has, has to. to fall. Yeah, it's like some at some point, it's, you know, heads are gonna roll somewhere, you know, and I just feel like power dynamic in uh, King's Landing by the end of the season is gonna be quite different. And you know what? We haven't really talked about. And everyone, I don't know if I don't remember if the show has said this is gonna happen or not. But Cersei still has a trial, and we're all assuming it's gonna be a trial by combat. It may not be. Well, they keep saying it is. Even she said it was gonna be a trial by combat. Yeah, because that's that's her best bet. So I'm hoping that like that'll be good episode nine or eight fodder. Well, I mean, you said we're only episode seven. We have three episodes left. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, episode nine's coming up right away, and that's usually gonna be a big one. We know there's gonna be a big battle this season. Um, so I mean, so much shit. Yeah. I, yeah. Who knows? I mean, it could be. How do they? Was it episode nine with the Viper? Uh, uh, I think it was actually episode eight of season four, the uh, Viper in the Mountain. Because episode nine would have been um, the attack on the wall. Right, right, right. That was fun. That's that's vintage Game of Thrones stuff right there. That's good stuff. <laughs> so we'll see. Maybe we'll do something like that, um, like similar, like sta- uh, way they stage it. Right with uh, mm. trial by combat, then the big battle, and then clean up. Um, okay, so let's move over to Volantis. Over uh, and we have a good old brothel scene. Haven't had one of those in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, Theon and Yara. This is where they stop. I guess so they after they left uh, the Iron Islands. Their plan is to basically steal Euron's plan and cut a deal with Danny for their ships. They got a head start. They took most of the ships. Yeah, and like how long? It's going to take them a while to build a thousand ships, right? He seemed to they, think that he could get it done pretty quick. Again, I, timelines on the show vary, mm-hmm. but we'll see. Um, and uh, what else? I I was kind of hoping that we'd see them like when they were deciding like, well, what are we gonna do? Where are we gonna? Go? Instead of that was their plan, they'd be like, go back and help John. But I mean, it doesn't really make sense. I don't think anybody really knows what's going on in the north. Yeah, and I mean, why would they really care? They're they're trying to get away from the Iron Islands, and the north is fairly close to the Iron Islands. The young kind of knows, kind of some kind of. It. of. Um, we also learn how they people deal with oppression uh depression in uh in westeros and essos um just drink a lot and uh just kill yourself if you're not gonna you're not gonna feel better (laughs) yeah that was a bit (laughs) rough 
I mean, again, I do like I, that she was yeah making him chug, trying to make him into the man he was or whatever, yeah. bring him back. It would be nice to see Theon not so skittish and and like head down. He and, well, his he he'd been that way. He like it seemed like he wasn't quite that bad the last couple episodes, and then this scene particularly. I guess it's in a brothel, so that's got to be okay. tough on him, right? Yeah. Um, we also learned that uh, Yara is into chicks, yeah. and this is one of those occasions where Yara is a she's not invented by the sh- for the like for the show because the character does exist. In Might as well be, but. This version of the character yeah. is basically an almost invented whole cloth, and this is one of those opportunities for I think you to insert uh, diversity without upsetting anyone or changing anything from the book. Too yeah, much. I mean her sexuality is not like a big deal to her character, anyways. It's right, not a big deal. It's just one of those things where it's good to it's more diversity is important. All for that, whatever, um, and this is a good way to do it. I, I'm, I just I just think this was just it was handled well, and the sex position wasn't like too much in your face you know so there's some there's, there's some, some boobies. boobies yeah but other than that i mean it was it was from a brothel like it's not a big deal mm-hmm. um so there's that i guess we'll see i guess they'll probably either, they'll probably meet up with danny either next episode or well if they're already in volantis like they're they're pretty damn close right so it couldn't it won't take them very long it's interesting where danny will be next episode because presumably we'll see her uh do you think she'll be back in marine well, she has a yeah. dragon. She could just fly there. She could fly there. Then they weren't too far from Marine, anyways. Marine's on the northern end of Slaver's Bay. It's close to the Dothraki Sea. So, okay, well, that's how they. She's got to go back to Marine and get her people and go. Just a quick pack. Just pack stuff up and just like throw some, throw a couple things in the suitcase and maybe take the dragon and burn Young Kai for a bit and then. <laughs> just for a bit, it's like a pit stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we go to Bravos. This is the uh, second last, technically the second last scene, but we already talked about the last scene. And we have Arya, and she, I feel like she couldn't have played this any worse. Like, I thought for sure she was going to lay low and wait for them to come to her, maybe, um, and then maybe eliminate her enemy or at least protect herself in some way, and then back head back to Westeros. Like that, there is a confrontation coming. Instead, she goes out for a goddamn stroll and is gazing <laughs> at the fucking sunset. Like, I just feel like. I don't know if it's out of character for her or it was just like she had a, a lapse. Like she's like, she felt, she felt more, she kind of felt better about herself. She kind of understood her place in the world a little bit more, mm-hmm. a little bit happier. And then of course we all, we know what happens. She let her guard down. Yep. Didn't take very long. Um, and like, as soon as that old lady appears, like in the side of the frame, you're like, yep, yep. That's for sure. The wave. Like, I don't think, I don't think there's a single person watching that was like surprised Mm-hmm. When that ha- I, it happened very quickly. That kind of like surprised me a bit, but I don't. I just don't think you could possibly not see that coming. You know, you, I'm sure you did. Of course, yeah. <laughs> uh, and she gets stabbed in the belly a couple times. A couple like... times, and it only took a couple stabs in the belly to to murder John or um, Rob's wife, although she was also pregnant. Much more brutal, but it did have a. It helped had those similar. Um, Mm-hmm. Like a, it was a pretty style. like small knife, and they they weren't like she wasn't going into the hill, so they're like fairly shallow stabs, I guess you could say, in their yeah, defense. I mean, but anyway, she so she doesn't die. She jumps over a bridge and uh, she goes for a swim. I guess I, my thought was like, hey, you know, if the water's cold, that might be good to mm-hmm. to help her. Like that might help her. Um, also, if the water is dirty, 
could get her it could infect it <laughs> yeah, like there's also that um i guess we should mention that she was buying passage home but to leave the next day in my opinion though i feel like she wouldn't even have been safe in westeros from them you know well yeah they're they're all over the place they would track her to the ends of the earth probably although it seems like there's only two that's the impression you get isn't it <laughs> it's just it's just uh the guy uh, the faceless man and the waif like that's just them that's it that's all if you're a girl, can you go be disguised as a chick? And if you're a chick, can you be disguised as a dude? Or is it just have, you have to yeah, stay? I think you can be anything. Anybody can be anything. Okay. Interesting. So what do you make of this? Like, do you think this was done well? I don't. For the I don't think. I think it was, it was <laughs> I don't know. You need this little scene in between whatever happens next with Arya. Because you can't have her just kill the waif and move along. I, I mean, maybe you could. It just would feel like I mean, everything else in the season could has have, been kind no, of rushed. I feel like you could have a pretty sweet showdown. And you would be a, like a fight. Mm-hmm. And it would be a good one, and then, and then Arya. If Arya wins, cool, it feels earned. Yeah, because she's been training. Because that's well, why that would explain that's what's going to happen the... next time. She's going to beat the wave next time, and then How? hopefully be with, back with in her, with her stabbed up belly. Like, yeah, she'll be fine. I I, I I don't know. I saw someone on Twitter be like, for this episode, I was like, well, I they're like, I think someone's going to be bringing a stick to a sword fight today, <laughs> um, and obviously that's not what happened. She didn't even have her sword on her. Um, I don't know. I feel this is one of those things where I know people don't like it when I rewrite the episode, uh, mm-hmm. but I would have put this at the end. This would be the cliffhanger. See, not- no, here's like you, you were saying earlier how you don't like how they've cheapened death. Clearly, Arya is not going to die. So if this was the cliffhanger and you thought maybe she's dead in the next episode, she's not, you'd have thought that they had once again cheapened death. Well, this is, this it's the same. It, this is just, instead of ending it at the end of the episode, it ended it. Like that's the last time we see. Yeah, her but it's episode. not. It's not as much of a, a cliffhanger. It's not like a, as much of a middle figure to the audience. If it's like, is she dead? I don't know. Wait a week and find out. I still. That's I what feel like it's still kind she... of that, that way. But it's it. I don't know. I still. I, it just seems weird. We get this these to end the way they did with, and we talked about it at the top of the show. But the end the way they did with with uh, McShane and and the Hound, this character we haven't seen for seat for like two seasons. It it that seems oddly placed to me. Like I understand the season. Yeah. Like this whole episode had well, basically a hound episode, like you said. But this was had more weight. Like there was more happening here. This is important. This is Arya. This isn't like who cares about the hound? Arya was yeah, just stabbed yeah, in the stomach. In the grand scheme of things, the hound isn't that big a character. Although right. not there wasn't much movement in Arya's story. That's what like she's a more important character, but nothing changed. She's or she's uh, on the run. Yeah, I guess now she knows that she's nah, in no, more danger than she thought. This is something's definitely changed i mean i guess here's the thing i guess finally things are happening with aria this is exciting this is a huge major character this is the that's an exciting way to end the episode i guess again this is just like picking nits here a bit but that's how i that's how i would have ended it i'm sure they'd had that same discussion where which which should we end it on um, but again if if you are going to go the route of having it, this entire episode be about the hound ends it it yeah. ends it it's true um, did you have it like, at the beginning when Arya was like happy go lucky go for a stroll you know buy a ship thing were you like looking around at like all the different people yeah thinking, I thought like, that was pretty weird it's, and it's, it's weird because she should be expecting that she, she yeah. knows that and then at the end when she's walking through that market she's looking at every face and it's like now she realizes they could be anybody she, like she's never I don't know why she didn't I just don't understand why she didn't think that that was the case in the first place I know and that might be a little bit of a maybe she idea. thought she had enough of a head start 
like she, you know, she oh, yeah, told Lady Crane about right, because that she girl and then know, she just ran right away. Right. She didn't know that the waif was there at that moment. Yeah. Right. That's fair. Um, all right. Well, on that note, that's everything. Any, what's your overall thoughts on, uh, on this episode? It's a pretty good episode. I, I, I enjoyed it. Again, it's uh, the last two episodes have been somewhat slower in terms of pace. Mm-hmm. Which is fine because the season was we were, we were saying really rushed earlier. It's the only the only thing is, is this is episode seven and things it's still a lot of table setting and like the next three episodes are going to be like bang bang bang. They kind of have to be yeah to get all this stuff accomplished. There's, there's and then to reintroduce the hound when there's so much other stuff going on, it's just going to be really busy for the next three episodes. I, that's kind of doesn't that seem like kind of the mo for this season though? Yeah, well, and and again, I'm pretty sure I read this. I, I like. Oh, don't quote me on this, but I, I read that next they want next season to be the last, or at least they want it to be seven episodes, not ten, which is ridiculous. I know they want to sh- think of shortening the season. I don't think next season is supposed to be the last. I think oh. there's still one more after that. Okay, well, even then, two more seasons with shorter epi- or shorter shorter seasons is I don't know. Like, why not just make them ten episodes? Uh, maybe they don't feel like they have enough content for that. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so Jaleel Star uh, Sarkis asks on Twitter. I mean, it's at Tower Babblecast. Um, this episode had a lot of wasted potential from characters. This is what he's saying. What's wrong with Game of Thrones this season? It's getting too Hollywood. Um, I don't know about the wasted potential uh, so much. Somewhat. I mean, I, again, the Arya stuff in my mind didn't really... Didn't it, it, it did feel like a bit of wasted time. Okay, that's fair. Um, um, and I think getting too Hollywood is a good way to put it. Yeah, it's, the, it's, the more, last two seasons. it's more typical storytelling. It's more yeah. your classic... Um, fantasy archetypes and all that kind of stuff mm. um, so that's fair I, I, I like that comment as well although I mean the John and Sansa stuff I don't think that was wasted I, I quite enjoyed that stuff and no, the River Run yeah. Jamie scene it was pretty cool that, again favorite scene in the episode do you have a favorite scene for this, epi- this episode I, I might have to agree with you there that, that was really, really cool to see the blackfish like that it's well, just fun to see these characters we haven't seen for a long time mm-hmm. um, and okay so next week we have season 6 episode 8 no one so, you think that has to do with like you would assume that's Arya still? That's, yeah, okay, that's what I thought as well. well and you, you never know. I mean, there was no Bran or Daenerys this this week, right? Right. So we're gonna get that next week. And honestly, as much as we keep t- talking about how much John and Sansa have asked the most interesting stuff, the Bran stuff for me is the most. Well, I mean, that's the, mo- it's the that's most compelling stuff. Revelations going on right now. galore. I love it. Know. I want to see the end of Tower of Joy. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. So yeah, that'd be good. Hopefully, maybe that. I, I don't. I don't look at the the, like the. I only look at the title. Like I don't. Yeah. The synopsis, or whatever, which is usually super vague anyway. Although but, I don't. I don't think Bran is going to be doing too much more of that dreaming because he's left the cave with the tree and the three-eyed raven, right? Right. You need a. So I don't know if he's going to go back to the Tower of Joy, maybe accidentally. I don't yeah. know. Who knows? Um. Okay. So yeah, it's called. It's called or I guess one. Benjen could reveal it, because he would know. Do you think he would? Do you think? I think Ned might have told him. I think he would have confided in his brother. Oh right, their sister's child. Right, because remember he says, "When I get back, we're going to talk about your mother." Yeah. Right. So I think Benjamin might know. So that'd be interesting. So if if someone knows about that, can legitimize it instead of just visions. That's important. Mm-hmm. Um, Even if he is a zombie. Yeah. <laughs> right. No one needs to know that. Uh, Beatrice body. Another one, quick one from her. She asks, will episode be another snoozer? Which just gives you an impression of what she thought of this episode. Uh, no, Beatrice, I don't think it will be another snoozer. I don't think it can be anymore. I think <laughs> you they, they have time for that. Done. The last two episodes have been slower. Not snoozer. I don't know. That's a bit harsh. But like, yeah, I think so too. They've been fairly slow, and I can see how people might be bored with them. 
so episode eight has to pick up the pace in terms of these converging storylines and action set pieces and stuff. Cool. Because you got like the walkers are going to march on the wall this season two. I'm sure. You say that, but we don't know that for sure. I don't know. I don't know. That's that is, yeah. So I mean, I, I guess that all depends on what happens with Brand, but we'll we'll see that. We'll t- we'll find out. Yeah. On that note, I think we can wrap it up. Um, as always, if you want to get in on the conversation, you can send us uh, you know messages, comments, you know, all that good stuff to our Twitter at Tower Babblecast. You can like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Tower Babblecast. Our email is Tower of Babel Podcast at gmail.com. And our website is Tower of Babel Podcast.com. And that's B A B B L E for the new listeners out there. All right. Uh, we will see you guys all uh, next week. This week's Game of Thrones cover is an a cappella and violin cover. Lindsay Sterling and Peter Holland's uh, combination on YouTube. 